Jim, you like a night out at the movies, don't you? I do, yes. What's the worst part of the movie-going experience? It's the overpriced popcorn. Nope. It is the people texting in the middle of a movie. Uh-uh. It's got to be fighting your way to the free urinal after a four-hour-long Hobbit movie, then. Close. All right, I give up. Standing in line for the privilege of buying your tickets from some snot-nosed punk in a red vest. You're right. That is the worst. Good news. There's an easy way out. Go to fandango.ballmove.com and print your tickets at home or present your e-tickets on your mobile device and breeze right through the lines like a VIP and never worry about a movie being sold out again. Fandango.ballmove.com. Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I am Aaron. And today we're covering Season 2, Episode 7, entitled Negro y Azul. It's a Spanish title with a fittingly Spanish intro, I think. Black and blue oh, black and blue oh. This, uh, well, before we get into the recap, you want to tell us a little bit about the writer, the director. I know you do. What I really want to talk about is a little bit of programming notes, which is... You know, we come back with The Walking Dead on Sunday, February 8th. You know what else we come back with? Better Call Saul. Better Call Saul. It premieres immediately after The Walking Dead. And it's kind of got this weird double night premiere that they're going to... It normally airs on Monday. That's right, yeah, yeah. But they're they're piggybacking on the success of The Walking Dead and they're jamming it in there at 10 p.m. on Sunday. And then it's going to be on uh, Monday nights uh, at, I believe, 10 o'clock still. Uh, Monday, February 9th, uh, and we will have a double episode as well. Do we want to – that's a good question. Do we want to have just one podcast that does both episodes out on like a Tuesday, or do you want to do two podcasts, one for the first episode, one for the second, Tuesday, Wednesday? It's kind of thing we probably should have worked out before we got on air. I think they're just re-airing the premiere on the next night. Really? I thought it was two episodes. No, I think it's the same episode two nights in a row. Oh, well, if that's the case, then bullshit. We just do the one podcast, obviously. Yeah, and it'll be out Wednesday, you know, two days after the show airs, like our Walking Dead, and like our Breaking Bad podcast was. Sure. So uh, we got that. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm looking forward to this show tremendously. Yes. I hope... That's less than a month away, man. Yeah, yeah. I My, my highest hope for this show is it is 90% as good as Breaking Bad. Sure. I... I'm hoping I'm not disappointed by it. Uh, but, I mean, it's Vince Gilligan. It has so many people from Breaking Bad. They care so much. I don't know how it could possibly be terrible. Yeah, and I talked to some of the cast and crew in Albuquerque that have worked mm-hmm. on, you know, both. Yeah. And I asked them, you know, after I got to know them a while, and I'm like, you know, so what's your honest opinion on Better Call Saul? And I, they're either really good liars or they really – really are, are uh, believe in the project because like, you know, one, mm-hmm. uh, one gave me an answer. I'm not going to name any names in case it get him in trouble, but it's like, you know, the same people working on it and we brought the same kind of passion commitment to the story and the characters that we brought to break bad. Yeah. I don't think you'd get anybody in trouble with that statement. Even yeah. if you did name names, but so that's pretty exciting. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. I, if you're a virgin to the show, 
it's kind of cool because you'll get to see the episode called Better Call Saul that launched the spinoff <laughs> the next week. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll get to meet this interesting character. Uh, I, you know, I guess my hope is it's same quality and commitment to storytelling Breaking Bad, but with more of the black humor from the first few seasons. Yeah, that's that's the part that I'm not so sure about the humor. Like, well, if, but, if they can nail the same tone as Breaking Bad had, yeah. that'll be great. I just don't know that. Like, how do you build the drama? Yeah, what's the core story of Saul that they're trying to tell? If, yeah, if, what would be Vince's elevator pitch? Like, because I the the character of Saul doesn't seem like that intense of a character when you compare him to Walt White, like. Walter White is a man dying of cancer who decides to go cook meth right. to support his family. There is a lot of drama built into that story. That's true. Saul's just a, a you know, a criminal lawyer. Yeah, he's a but criminal lawyer. Maybe. Maybe you can go with the criminal part, like really heavy on the criminal lawyer part of Saul Goodman and and have it come out, uh, you know, drama heavy and with the, the black humor, which I like. So, uh, as far as this episode, uh, episode 207, Negro y Azul, mm-hmm. uh, is directed by Felix Enriquez uh, Alcala. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. Yep, perfect. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. He's done a lot of stuff. Uh, he's a continuing actor director. He's done many episodes of The Good Wife, uh, many episodes of Criminal Minds, um, Southland, Revolution, Grimm. Um, Stargate, you uh, Stargate Universe, just tons of stuff. All right, Breaking Bad. He only did one episode of Breaking Bad. Terminator, Sarah Connor Chronicles. Oh, okay. Criminally underrated, at least the first yeah. season. Yeah, I can't believe that show got canceled so quickly. Lots of ER. He's going back. Battlestar Galactica. I mean, huh. just just tons of stuff. House, and it was written by uh, John Sheban, which was a collaborator of uh, Vince Gilligan on the X-Files. Okay. So I thought that was pretty cool and he uh wrote uh he was the he was a producer on a credited producer on 36 episodes of uh, Breaking Bad. Hmm. Uh and he wrote four of them as as the uh, credited writer. So uh lots he did he worked uh, with Vince on The Lone Gunman, the spin-off of X-Files for 13 episodes. <laughs> 22 episodes of The X-Files. Uh, we're in pretty good hands in this episode. I feel like seems like it, as as per usual on the walk on on the walking. No, I'm sorry no. on on the Breaking Bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Why don't we get into the recap now? Yeah. Yeah. Because we start off with a crazy music video. In, uh, until the RV, I remember distinctly the first time I saw this episode. Uh-huh. And until the RV showed up, I thought I was like flipping for my guide. <laughs> like, what the hell am I watching? Do they move AMC to another channel? Yeah, this came out of really nowhere. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they like to do stuff like this from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in season two, they experiment a lot with format, I feel. Uh, you know, they have the, the teddy bear floating around in the water. Like, what the fuck is that? They also have this, which is very surprising up front. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so tell us a little bit about this this music video, like what it is and what it means and all that stuff. So I think the term is narco corrido, yeah, or narco corrido, and it's essentially like if you think of gangster rap mm-hmm. being a form of of the uh, hip hop music that kind of glorifies <laughs> drug culture in urban yeah. uh, uh, ur- urban centers in America. 
then the narco corridos uh, is like a northern Mexican phenomenon. And if you listen to Vince talk about on the Insider podcast, I guess this is like imagine if the drug cartels had their own music houses. What do you call those? Record labels. Record labels. Mm-hmm. And they would the, the 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 cartels are the ones throwing the concerts. They're the ones hiring the talent. They're the ones making the music videos. Like this is something they're mm-hmm. all just doing, I guess, to kind of blow smoke up their asses. But it literally means uh, a drug ballad. Yeah. And it's these stories about you know dr- uh, drug dealers versus cops and mm-hmm. and the bad things that happen and the, the good things that happen and and having a lot of wealth and guns and money and. <laughs> All the things we see in this video, this is the one, the Ballad of Heisenberg, I think is its actual name. Yeah, and it, it tells the story of, you know, Heisenberg coming on the scene and kind of the cartel, like, saying, who the fuck is this new guy? Yeah. And Heisenberg ends up face down, assumedly dead, in the desert. So this is this is a video that launched a lot of popular fan theories, and I'm not going to go yeah. into all of them because some of them A involve... lot of them perpetrated by you. Yeah, no, I thought that this was the key, for the longest time, the key to understanding uh, what was going to happen in in the finale. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but I just want you to know that, you know, trying to put you, the virgin viewers, into the mindset of the community, this thing was seen as very significant. Because you've got, you know, like, people analyze things like the guy dressed up like Jesse uh, is wearing a, you know, got a black umbrella on the side, and he's facing the audience, and Heisenberg uh-huh. is on the other side of the RV, oh, and, and he's man. facing away from it. If and color theory ever went wild. And and, and Heisenberg's face down, and, and, and maybe it's it's Jesse stepping over Walt. Yeah. Is, is Walt going to be betrayed in the Stabbing in the back, yeah. Or the, is the cartel going to come out and get him? You know, he's a dead man, yeah. but he doesn't know it yet. Is that referred to the cancer? Is that referred to the cartel? Who knows? Uh, and there are many, many possibilities that are wide open until the very end of the series. So yeah. go wild and and, uh, and be, feel free to speculate. I'm certainly not going to discourage you from doing so. Uh, one thing I tried to get down to the bottom of was who <laughs> was playing Heisenberg in this video because I yeah. thought it was Aaron Paul. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked a lot like Aaron Paul, although in this season of Breaking Bad, he didn't have his head shaved. No, he didn't, and he had like a scruffy kind of beard going on, yeah. and just just like a little bit. Yeah. So I, I I posted in a forum if anybody knew, and Shane the Bowman Bowman I guess knows some people involved in the production, mm-hmm. and he asked, and people were like, "Shit, we don't know." And they asked people that they knew that were in a production, and the best guess was that it's some bald crew member. Yeah, that they just threw a jacket on, and in fact, I think Vince said as much in the Insider video or the Insider mm-hmm. podcast. Yeah, it's weird that they didn't use the stand-in for Walt for that. Because... But that guy doesn't look a lot. I mean, they didn't get Joe Griffinberg until I know. like season five, and the yeah. guy that they got as his stand-in slash body double does not look a lot like <laughs> Vince Gilligan. So, so you're telling me that there is another bald guy on the set who looks more like. Brian Cranston, <laughs> and they did not use him as the body devil? That's exactly what I'm saying. Why? Okay. Uh, but I think that uh, they just took a lot of pains to make this look like an authentic uh, Narco Corrido video. Uh-huh. And, and I guess they watched a ton of them on YouTube, and yeah. they said the defining nature of it is this, you know, lots of money, lots of drugs, lots of uh, Chevy Escalades. Yeah. Lots of uh, really cheesy... 
It's exactly what I think when I think like 50 Cent, right? Well, I mean, but maybe if he made videos back in 2002 okay, with an IBM PC. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of the, okay, the, the, low the, rent the Beastie Boys What You Want video. All right. Where it's All like right. just a whole bunch of like really lo-fi digital effects and crazy wipes yeah. and slow-mo and stuff like that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it's incredibly authentic, sure. and that is a, a real narco corrido band, yeah. which was tough to find because the vast majority of them, if they're in the United States, are here illegally. Mm. And Sony wanted to make sure that everyone had their do- – you know, obviously. Yeah. They don't want to be hiring undocumented illegal people sure. to work on a television production. So it was yeah. kind of tricky to find ones that was both authentic and uh, could actually legally make uh, music on, on camera in the United States. Huh. But it's a very, okay. very – unorthodox way to begin a series but yet it to- sure. totally worked yeah no i loved it uh second time around it's even better because when you're in on the the whole thing like the first time around you're confused the second time around you're like oh yeah i can enjoy this now sure anyway so then we go to walt uh trying to teach a failing student about the importance of chemical bonds um and the kid you know doesn't the kid doesn't understand he's like oh yeah i studied real hard walt's like don't bullshit a bullshitter. Uh, and he sends the kid off with an F. And Walt calls Jesse and leaves a message on his voicemail telling him he to uh, forget about handling Spooge. Did you, like, I remember the first time I saw this video or saw this episode when I saw Danny Trejo in the credits. I'm uh-huh. like, oh my God, this is going to be <laughs> fucking wild. It was pretty wild. Because I'd known him yeah. from the, like, you know, Robert Rodriguez movies. Yeah, yeah. He was in, like, Spy Kids. I think he was in one of the Desperados. <laughs> he was in Spy Kids. He was definitely in um, the Quentin Tarantino, uh, what was that, Vampire? Uh, Dust Till Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. And he's kind of quietly building up his name as a badass. It's like rugged, yeah. crater-faced badass. And now he's in movies called Badass, I think. Yeah, or, uh, you know, Machete. Machete, yeah, yeah. Which, have you seen the Machetes? I have. I started watching one, and I was like, this is ridiculous. You didn't, oh, wow. That's usually <laughs> I mean, not a problem for you. No, I don't think it would have been. I just wasn't in the mood for it at the time. Like, I, I was in the mood for something a little more serious. Yeah, I mean, if you took, like, Undercover Brother... Like that over the top, like there's an official organization called the Man, uh-huh. uh, and there's a there's a, a a covert black community of espionage people. They're fighting him. If you took that and combined it with the craziness of like the Crank series, that's Machete, only for right. uh, the Latino community. And there are several of them. Yeah. Um, so one of the things is like if you look at this theme, the themes in episode are talking about bonds. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, obviously one thing to look at is Jesse and Jane, how is their relationship establishing, establishing, and also talk about bonds that are dissolving and possibly bonds forming anew in the form of, uh, Skylar and Binicky and Skylar and Walt. Mm -hmm. Um, do you think that that's like too on the nose or is that where Villigan's going? Uh, you know, I was a little confused watching this episode. He's talking I about- was looking for those chemical bonds. I was looking for the compelling reasons that all of these people are together. The things that hold us together. Yeah. And I, I don't know that I saw a lot of that in this episode, which confused me. You have a good point because there's not a lot of reason for Jane and Jesse to hold hands at the end. No. Other than, you know, Discovery Channel style animal attraction. 
Uh-huh. They're both pretty people, and they both kind of have, like, mysterious, uh, you know... You can tell they both have secrets that they're not telling about each other. Sure, sure. Even at this, like, she's made these vague uh, references about her father being kind of a ball buster. Uh-huh. And you can also tell when Walt shows up purporting to be his father that she kind of instantly takes a dislike to him. So there's a lot going yeah. on under the surface between those two. And also you don't understand what's going on with Walt and Skylar and Binicky. Because clearly Kinda. Walt clearly Walt doesn't know that the things... Binicky is Mr. Grabby Hands or no. why why Marie refers to him as Because that. Skylar lied about why she left the company. Yeah. Something that she was, you know, apparently frank about Marie. We don't know the nature of uh, Skylar and and yeah, so, Binicky's relationship. We also don't know. We we know that Skyler's kind of shocked to hear that he's divorced now because that was one of her like, well, it'll be fine because he's married and he doesn't want. Yeah, yeah. So I I have a pretty clear idea in my head, and maybe it's because I've you know seen where this all goes. But as far as I can tell, in this episode, we are supposed to understand that uh, Skyler obviously worked at Binicky before, but and, Binicky Ted's dad was alive at the point at that point and running the oh, company. Yep. He got a little grabby when they got drunk at some party, uh, like company party, potentially. Um, and she had to quit over that. And she never told Walt that. But yeah. she did tell Marie that. And also, I think, a uh, question to wonder, because if you look back at episode one of the season, mm-hmm. remember we talked about, uh, we didn't talk a lot in the main section, but I think we mentioned the spoilers, is when... Skyler's going through like these family pictures. She comes across a picture of her and Ted. Yes, and she's that was clearly super significant. It's, a, it's a fond <laughs> memory she has of him. I'm almost wondering. Yeah. I, I I feel like that we're supposed to get the idea that she's not telling the truth to anyone. Even like Marie. Mr. Grabby Hands is a story she told Marie. Uh, I can't work around these welding chemicals is what she told huh. Walt. I wonder how inappropriate their relationship actually got. I mean. It's a good question. I don't know why Mr. Grabby Hands, seeing a picture of Mr. Grabby Hands would make her smile if I don't, there wasn't the more thing. there. I don't think he was Grabby Hands. I think it was yeah, like a mutual, I, I get what you're we saying. both went too far. I'm not saying... Uh, yeah, I just can't come up with a reason. You, they must be implying something extra. I think, Sky, I think Skyler went too far. I think they both went too far. Not maybe to yeah. the point where they had an actual affair, but <laughs> maybe it was he, to right his to wife, he calls her Mrs. Grabby Hands. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Skyler. She's Mrs. Uh-huh. Grabby Hands. Skyler got drunk at a party. She grabbed my butt. That's how they check into their hotel when they have their illicit affair. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Re- really, Grabby sir, Hands. Really, your name is Grabby Hands. It's Grabbe. Grabbe <laughs> Hans. Thank you very much. It's German. I will not have you mispronouncing. I will not have you disrespecting my heritage. Not at all. Not at all. But yeah, no, there's, you're right. I think there's definitely bonds here being formed and dissolved, but we as the audience are left in the dark so far about where, where they're going to, why they're forming, and what the significance is. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a little confusing. Uh, anyway, so uh, Walt obviously didn't get his answer on the phone, so he goes over to Jesse's house and he meets Jane uh, as he's pounding on the door trying to get into the house. She won't let him in, so Jesse finally comes to the door and lets him in. Uh, this is a good exchange, a really good exchange here between Walt and Jane. I just love how, like, Walt obviously can't tell her what he's doing, but Jane is just like, she totally has the upper hand here on Walt, and Walt's kind of seething underneath that she won't yeah. acquiesce oh, to yeah. his demands. Yeah. But what's he going to do? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. 
He's powerless, and he hates that at this point. And she is not intimidated whatsoever by no. him at all. Mm-mm. And you can tell that he's kind of getting a taste for being able to bully Jesse, being able to roll in the Tuco's and blow up his oh, lab. Yeah. The f- when like Badger and Skinny Pete and Combo are obviously very deferential, he's getting off on that. So when he goes and deals with people like Jane, it's mm-hmm. a jarring reminder of you're just you're you're a sick old man. And the other thing is like he may have power, and if he could tell her exactly who he is she might actually respect that power but he can't right like there's some sort of impotence in the power he even has now sure it's like "Mm, okay anyway jesse's uh they go inside jesse's feeling bad about what happened at spooge's house and he tells walt about it and then badger calls up and jesse decides that he just wants to forget all this and go back to sleep uh i don't know he's uh doing drugs jesse's doing drugs What'd you make of that uh, fat jack-o'-lantern shirt he's got on? Sweet. I love it. Uh, what did you think about Walt's reaction when Jesse revealed that he killed Spooge and implied that he had actually shot him? Oh, Walt was horrified. Was he horrified? But, yeah. Was I- he really horrified, <laughs> or was he actually thinking that he underestimated Jesse? Uh, I think he was definitely surprised. Mm. Um, and, and I thought there was a little bit of horror in there. Like, I can't believe that this person actually just killed someone. I mean, even though Walt has killed people, Walt has always had in his mind really, really good reasons to do so. And I self defense, not over yeah, like a couple thousand dollars. That's that's the big difference. Like, I think when Walt said deal with it, he didn't actually mean to go kill the guy. Sure. Uh, but when he thinks that Jesse did, yeah, that, that terrifies him a little bit. Right. But I also think it's disingenuous for Walt to, uh, you know, take this, I can't believe you, you handled it this way when I slammed the gun on the counter and said, handle it. Yeah. Like is a little, little (laughs) protesting too much. Totally. Uh, anyway, are we ready to move on? Sure. Okay. We go to Texas. Hank is there in his new job. He's trying to make friends uh, with his usual shtick, but it is not working on these people. No one thinks he's funny. Uh, Everyone kind of looks down on him as the new guy. And they all speak Spanish, and he doesn't. And that becomes a very clear problem later on. Uh, He's just out of place here, you know? Yeah, they're, you know, and uh, it's obviously, I feel like the guys, the DEA agents down in Juarez are actually El Paso, um, they have, they've got the right of it. Like you really should bother to learn the language of the people that you're fighting against. Art of war. You really should understand their culture, how they think to better prosecute. And now I guess, mm-hmm. um, I guess Hanks had the luxury of being in Albuquerque to where he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like there was enough, um, you know, the tweaker population is more of the Jesse's and the skinny peas mm-hmm. and, um, all that. Although, you know, Again, I, I don't know. I, I'm always trying to figure out in his early goings whether Hank's police instincts are good or his technique is good or whether he's just a meathead idiot. I think I think the the drug scene in Albuquerque has shaped him to the point where he is good in his techniques and he has the tools he needs to thrive in that setting. But when he goes to 
El Paso, it is a very different scene. He's just doing so much low level street yeah. crime. Like yeah. his his kind of uh, you know the, the the go back to the wire. Uh, his Herc and Carver routine that mm-hmm. he's got with uh, Gomi works in Albuquerque because you're just doing rip and runs. You're doing low level street crime. Yeah, you know if you work your way. Look even... who he was busting in the first episode: Emilio and Jesse. Yeah, and even like, Tuco nobodies. was crazy, but he's like a very low level, very lowest rung of the cartel organization. Yeah, and you know when you go down, you, you're they're actually operating in Mexico. Yeah. With the federales and all that stuff, that's a whole other ball game. You mm-hmm. got it's a whole other level of uh, integration you have to have to, yeah, to work a, with that. That's arguably as real as it gets. Sure, in drug enforcement. Sure. Uh, yeah. Although this other guy, this guy who's talking to him about the art of war, and he's giving him Jesus statues, and uh, this guy is clearly the weirdo of the office, right? He has a three foot tall bust. Of this patron saint, Jesus of, Malverde, Jesus Malverde, the patron saint of drugs, like yeah, of gangsters, of drug dealers, of drug dealers. on his desk. He's got a secondary statue there, waiting to give Hank. This is the weirdo in the office, without a doubt. Is he that weird though? And he a... is. He is. Look, if you look around at everybody else's desk, they're all like normal desks, mm. and this guy has fucking statues. In his cubicle, it's just weird. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like Hank at some point is, like, turned off by the... It's not glorification, but the understanding and trying to work with these drug dealers. Oh, yeah, when they meet with Danny Trejo. You can definitely tell that. He's like, why are we dealing with this guy? Let's just bust him and get the info, crack his knuckle or crack his head. Right. Do you know this? It's it's funny, this, this Jesus Malverde, which is not a real saint. He's not, like saint in the catholic church sense of the word yeah 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 but um he's got this kind of like the he's like the robin hood of mexico i did a little bit of research into it and there's been several people that claim like you know that he's done miraculous things since he's died and all that Mm -hmm. i'm amazed at how many like mexican restaurants around here have portraits of him and busts of him inside it and now like i didn't (laughs) up until today i did not know this but now i'm like wow like is there a shadowy network of like is like the M13 running all these Mexican restaurants <laughs> out in the Midwest? Yeah, sure. definitely. Yeah, that's that's it. It's, it's a dead giveaway. It's uh, what burrito corrido. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chipotle's are in on it. Man. No, Chipotle, no, no, Chipotle's no, no. a big front. That's for uh, Mexican cartel drug operations for sure. No, that's that. They're they're the lightweight. They're the they're the Jesse and Walt yeah. operation that the yeah. authentic places are going to. The El Rodeos, uh-huh. El Rodeos, and La Haciendas of the world are going to going to run them out one of these nights. <laughs> All right, but I I thought there's uh, one point from uh, um, Arya at Syriabul. They he's talked about that the shot selection of Hank looking at this Jesus Malverde. Mm-hmm. Exactly mirrored the shot of him looking at uh, Tuco's grill on his desk. Huh. Remember that where it's like you, sh- you you saw Tuco Tuco's grill and then it focused back in uh, um, Hank's face. It does the same kind of camera move from the same angle, showing his kind of uh, being uncomfortable around these trophies or mementos of these gangsters. Sure, sure. I mean, if, if you look at you know, I mean, Hank had a panic attack just an episode or two ago about to have uh, another one that's the thing like look at the traumatic events that happened in this episode to hank what's that gonna do to him right sure sure uh anyway walt shows up at the museum to pick up the uh money and drop off some meth from jesse's crew 
they asked him if Jesse really squashed that dude with the ATM. Uh, Walt doesn't actually confirm it, but he, you know, he realizes at this point that everyone has heard about it mm-hmm. and that he can turn that to his advantage. Uh, smart guy, that Walter White. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Um, first of all, the Atomic Museum and Combo and Badger and Skinny <laughs> P, lots of like ro- low rent comedy. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. the mushroom clouds, a satellite picture mm-hmm. of your farts and. That's the thing I love about Vince Gilligan. You know, he he does do a lot of highbrow stuff, but at the same time, he, he can will ro- just go for it. He can uh, roll extraordinarily <laughs> lowbrow. Oh yeah. I, also, I thought it was really a, a subtle piece of imagery that you know Skinny P making a big deal out of the fact that the Fat Boy replica is a fake. It looks oh, yeah, dangerous. Yeah. It looks like something dead, something deadly. It's but the blowfish. It, it's fake. It's yeah. It's a blowfish. It's it's uh, Jesse. Yeah. A lot of uh, that kind of overt imagery in this episode. And it's all a lot around the uh, the, the museum itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skylar's applying for a job at the Benke offices where she worked four years ago. Secretary was not having any of her bullshit. No, but it's not really the secretary's place to call her on her bullshit. Like, if a pregnant woman wants to come in and apply, she doesn't need dirty looks from the secretary. Let HR give her the dirty looks. Let someone else give her the dirty looks, if dirty looks are warranted. Which I'm not saying they are. I don't know. Um, the, the secretaries I've known, or I guess you'd call them the greeters at that point. All right. not really... Blanket statement alert. Here we go. I'm just saying that it seems <laughs> like that their, their kind of job is to be the bouncer of the company. Uh, like every fucking salesperson, every fucking telecommunications guy that wants to flip your contracts, that walks in that door... Uh, every toner salesman, every computer, t- every everybody coming in there, every vendor, they're the first line of defense to keep them from the important people. Mm-hmm. And um, I think sometimes a, the, per- the, the right personality type can go too far with that ah. to where they start just like, you know, bouncing, bouncing everybody. And yeah. I think there's a legitimate reason to be skeptical of a woman as far along in a pregnancy as Skylar. Mm-hmm. You know, coming to work is like, hey, I want a job, and two months from now I'm going to quit, and you'll never see me again. Especially when she found out that she'd worked there previously and quit. She patted her belly. like, you know, I had a family. That really kicked oh, yeah, in yeah, to yeah. like, oh, okay, well, I'll, sure, we've I'll, been through this once. Yeah, we'll keep your resume on file then. Yeah, and if it not been for Skylar taking matters in her own hand, you know, well, they've gone green, Aaron. They've gone green. She doesn't have to quit because of the chemicals anymore. They've gone sky blue now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Ted, the, uh, she meets with Ted, the owner of the company, and after catching up, he offers her her old job back. Um, you know, you can see a little bit of tension when their spouses are mentioned in this scene, um, especially on Skylar's face, where she has to kind of pretend that everything is normal with Walt, and the Walt's just plugging along. But it's not the kind of tension of, like, Mr. Grabby Hands, you did something really appropriate, no, I no, hope no. you don't grope me again. It's the kind of tension of, like, oh, this guy's handsome, and oh, she's hot, but oh, she's eight months pregnant with some other dude's butt. And, uh-huh. and you know, that it's more that kind of tension. And, and Ted doesn't act like a guy who is ashamed that he acted inappropriate with a woman either. No, he doesn't. It's the awkwardness of... I don't know. Like, like something almost, that could have been. Like you had a good friend you almost hooked up with and you uh-huh. guys didn't and you haven't seen him for a long time. It's it's definitely that chemistry I was getting. Yeah. No, you're right about that. Uh, anyway, Walt then tells Jesse that they need to expand their territory and uh, tells Jesse that he's a blowfish. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesse buys that, man. Does Jesse ever buy that? 
He loves being that blowfish. Who messes with the blowfish? <laughs> Everything? Aside from Hootie. Anything that's too smart, like, to see that it's just a facade? Like... You're not gonna, but I, I don't know. I don't know that you like. You're gonna swallow a blowfish. You're gonna. That's gonna kill no, you. No, but you wait around and you go. Oh yeah, the blowfish wasn't actually as big as I thought he was. If if he's if, found out, if carnivorous fish could had opposable thumbs, could use ice picks. Mm-hmm. The blowfish is doomed. He's got nothing. <laughs> Just punch a hole in him. And that's the thing. Like the blowfish isn't gonna kick your ass, but good luck yeah. getting it down your gullet. Ah, that's the thing. Like it's not exactly all smoke and mirrors. You know. There was this um, there's this image that went on around Reddit a couple years back that purported to be a Breaking Bad fighting game, like Street Fighter Street Street Fighter Two style art, uh-huh. and the stage was like in front of the RV, and it had uh, Walt versus Jesse, and like Walt was in his tidy whities and the green apron and his yeah, head yeah, shaved, yeah. and Jesse was you know, dressed up like crazy Jesse, mm-hmm. and they had beakers in their hands and like health bars. Looked a little like Dive Kick, honestly. Yeah, well, that's this to say it looks like a low rent Street Fighter. Sure. Um, I think that that would be a really cool idea, though, because you think like Jesse's like special attack, he could swell up like a blowfish, or he could summon <laughs> a massive ATM. Like that's his finishing uh, move. He, he summons an ATM and drops it on someone's head. Uh, blow chili powder in your face. Walt's got the fulminated mercury. Mm-hmm. Uh, Combo's got his nuclear farts. <laughs> like that. There's there's a lot of lot. I think I think there's a lot of. Stuff there. There's potential there. You call in assistance, you know? Sure. Should make it. Uh, Saul tags in. Uh, so I, I couldn't help but notice in the scene how oblivious Walt seems to be to the game still, you know? I mean, he's got this idea that he's just going to, with this new reputation that Jesse has, roll all of these guys up and say, this is now my territory. Mm-hmm. I think Jesse is more right. I think Jesse understands that it's not going to be that easy, even with the reputation, to just go into these guys' territory. They're going to have to battle it out with these guys. Well, I'm just saying that it seems the pattern is every single time Jesse has an objection to Walt's plan based on his street smarts, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's, it's, it's... They get in the shit. They get in deep shit. Every time he ignores his conventional wisdom, they get into the shit, as you said. Yeah. And um, Walt doesn't realize that, and Jesse doesn't either. Like, this blowfish thing, Jesse mm. eats up hook, line, and sinker. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I don't know how he's so easily talked into this stuff, uh, but he is. You shouldn't blowfish up that bong so much. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> Uh, we go back to Hank. He's with his new El Paso crew meeting with Tortuga, uh, who is making a deal with the Sky Mall catalog. Hank gets fed up and threatens Tortuga, and it does not work. Th- this is the scene where, you know, Hank Hank just doesn't want to deal with, like, why are we dealing with this guy? Let's Let's crush him. No. No, you don't crush the cartel as easily as you think, Hank. As easily as you crush Emilio in his, uh, in his suburban meth lab. Uh, or even Tuco, where he's gut shot and wounded anyway. Yeah. Uh, this ain't Branson, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, I liked, I thought it was really great that the last thing he picked out of the Sky Mall catalog was a tranquil tortoise sculpture. <laughs> uh huh. And he he's, beca- he's really invested he, in this persona. But he became a not so tranquil yeah. tortoise sculpture by the end of the episode. He did. He did. Which, by the way, shocking how fast this plot moved. Oh, yeah. I would have bet two, three weeks' pay 
that it's at least an episode gap between the introduction of Tortuga and mm-hmm. his blowing up. And I was, I we were both like, what the, f- this is happening this whole episode? And it's really shocking with Hank, because Hank starts his job, and Tortuga is there blown was a few up in the same episode. happening in, in El Paso. This is the first time he's in Texas. Yeah. It's crazy to me. No, it, i amazed at how quickly, how full throttle this show is moving. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, Skylar and Marie talk about Hank's job, and Skylar tells her about her new job. Uh, Marie's shocked that she went back to Mr. Grabby Hand's company, and she asks if money is becoming a problem and offers to help out. And then Walt comes home, and he goes into the bathroom to cough. Hack up so, a lung, it sounded like. My God. Yeah, yeah, and he, he clearly doesn't want Skylar to know that no. he's hacking it up either. Not at all. Turns on the shower. He's trying to disguise the sounds. Sure. Uh, you think the, the chemo didn't work for Walt? Uh, think yeah. he's got some problems again? It's, it's, it certainly seems that way. I think that's what they're trying to tell us, yeah. Uh, it's also weird that Skylar and him seem like they're on fairly good terms this episode. It, Do you yeah, think that's you, because Sky, the sneakier Skylar is, the more bullshit she's willing to put up with? I think so. I, and, I think she feels like either, you know, turned about as fair play and she's in a better mood or she met with Ted and that put her in a better mood. Ooh, That's possible. It just seems like it didn't work with a cigarette where like, you know, she was doing <laughs> that. That certainly didn't turn down, uh, tone down her anti-Walt rhetoric. I just thought yeah. it was interesting that this episode, it's almost like nothing's amiss. Like mm-hmm. Walt comes in with his bag and just blows past everything's fine, flips on the shower, and the Skyler wouldn't breeze on in there and be like, what's up? I was kind of expecting that to happen. Yeah, I wonder if it's also because Marie is sitting in the room and she wants to keep up appearances there. True, but Marie... I, no, fuck no. Marie's going to be like... Uh, she's the one first suspecting Walt of having the affair. Yeah. Because she knows yeah. about the two phones, and she knows the implications of that. Sure. So I'm thinking there's no way Marie, like, Hank breezes past and says, everything's fine, and flips on the shower, and she's like, I bet he's trying to wash the scent. <laughs> she didn't say anything that, that we that, saw. That, that so. bitch that he's cheating on you with. Mm-hmm. That goddamn Carmen. The hot principal at the school. He's washing the Carmen scent off of him. Yep, yep. That's what's happening. It's exactly what's happening. <laughs> Don't fool yourself, Jim. Uh, you know what else is happening? Breakfast. Breakfast. Yep. Breakfast the next morning, Skylar tells Walt that she got her old job back at Benicky, and uh, it becomes quite apparent that she lied to him about why she quit the first time. Let us update the big breakfast scoreboard. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's now swollen to a hefty seven breakfasts offered with an asterisk because it's arguable, it's very arguable that uh, Walt did not actually offer him that one omelet. Yeah, I think he it's had, five and six. He had no no knowledge of the omelet. Um, no, he was not offered the omelet. Okay. I'm sure he had knowledge. I'm sure he knew there were omelets cooking. Okay. But he was not offered an omelet. The, so, so the, the, you can't uh, turn brown breakfast if you're not offered it. The official count then would be five out of six breakfasts yeah. cons- offered consume, That's unofficially five out of seven, Okay, if I'm being generous to the, the breakfast haters. <laughs> um, but that's, that's statistics and, right there. And Walt Jr. is particular about his breakfast. This is, not, this is not the crunch version of my cereal. Where is my crunch? What? Yeah, yeah. That's the the thing he's saying at the very beginning of this scene. Oh. It's like, oh, this is the, you know, whatever he calls it, Fruity Loops, not mm-hmm. the Fruity Loops Crunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's very particular about that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Not really. 
Uh, Jesse runs into Jane. <laughs> Jesse runs into Jane on his way out, and he finds out that she's a tattoo artist because she has a drawing that she's doing. Uh, and then a guy on a bike rides up and recognizes him as Pinkman, and uh, Jane is, you know, surprised but not surprised by him not having the last name Jackson. <laughs> right. She's not surprised. Oh, by really? That. You're not Jesse Jackson? Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. Although you had the Michael Bolton from. Uh... Office space. Office space. It does happen. Mm-hmm. It does happen. Sure. Um, I thought... I mean, I'm not a tattoo guy. I don't have tattoos. I've wanted mm-hmm. to get one or two, but I always set like some goal for myself to allow myself... And by the time I've either achieved the goal or forgotten about the goal, I forgot about the tattoo, which tells me, hmm. good thing I haven't had a tattoo. But I just got to say, the idea of a tattoo artist with zero tattoos, that's not going to fly. No? Nobody gets in the chair of a tattoo artist that has no tattoos, right? Um, I don't know. It depends on how good of an artist they are, right? Like, I don't need, I don't need the guy working on my car to necessarily own a car himself. Like, but it would be very strange if financial mechanic did not own a car. And in fact, in fact, never could never like cars enough to actually fall in love with one or commit to one (laughs) or any of those things. Even, oh, really? Even when you were like 17 and stupid? Mm -hmm. Really? I don't know. That felt a little too. It's the most unre. <laughs> it's the most unrealistic, preposterous thing that's ever happened on Breaking Bad. A successful tattoo yeah. artist that has no ink. It is a little weird. I'll grant you that. Uh, it's because every tattoo mm-hmm. artist I've ever seen is like yeah. the other extreme. Sure, they're tatted from hell to breakfast. Yeah, face, neck, everything, mm-hmm. palms of their hands. For Christ's sake. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sure, that's a little weird, uh, but. You know, she does a pretty good drawing. I like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a succubus, right? It definitely looks... Yeah, 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 it is. I which, think. Which is interesting. You know, that's the uh, that's the female demon that uh, feeds off the life energy of males. Yep. Doesn't bode well for Jesse. No, I don't think so. Although, arguably, being with Jesse does not bode well for Jane either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dynamic duo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hank's on a stakeout. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you think about the biker mm-hmm. pulling up? Did you think this was an a intentional uh, allusion to the scary Mormon bikers that uh, showed up in the first oh. season during his hallucination and turned out that they were just, you know, friend, friendly Mormon bikers? No, I didn't. I think this was just a way to show us that word is getting out on the street about mm. what Jesse did. Right on. Right on. And so when we go to, the, you know, the... It's a it's a way to say hey the stuff that Walt assumes is all correct is, is working yeah all right uh, anyway uh, Hank's on stakeout in the desert and the his his comrades are making fun of him uh, Hank spots Tortuga in the desert and they rush down and they find his head on a turtle and it explodes taking out most of the EA agents uh, most of their legs most of their everything. Uh, does it, does anybody die in this explosion? Can you tell, or do, does that guy just lose his leg? I don't think you. I mean, Hank got the tourniquet on even through his panic attack. Uh-huh. Arguably, Hank's panic attack saved him. Yes, because he was like, "Oh, I got to get away from this." He goes over to the truck. He's far enough away that the explosion doesn't hurt him. Yeah, what do you think of that? Like, it's a an an obvious weakness. And a law enforcement officer to suffer from post-traumatic stress-induced uh-huh. panic attacks sure. uh, during stressful situations, and yet 
it saved him. Are you saying this is a sign that Hank should get out of the? No, DEA? I'm saying it's like, it's it's interesting and kind of like a unbreakable, uh, you know, Mister Glass kind of way that that this that this weakness is actually mm-hmm. a strength or it's it's uh-huh. actually something that saves him. Yeah, I mean, in certain scenarios, weaknesses are strengths. I think, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I I look at this as just one of those happy coincidences that happens in life. You know, I mean, it's it's not. I don't think they were trying to tell us anything about Hank in this scene um anything more than they've already told us with this panic attack before Mm. but i think they were just showing us uh a scenario that is coincidental but not unlikely i i totally bought that hank would react that way and that that might be just enough to get him out of harm's way right uh anyway i thought the the turtle stuff was awesome i mean really good practical effect Oh that yeah, it looked like the, Danny Trejo's head. The head they've got on there is great. Yeah, um, and I really like. I've got that mag. You do too, because uh, Cecily made a bunch of those magnets for our Breaking yeah. Bad finale party. Uh huh. One of them is the Tortuga on the Tortuga. Yeah, uh, and I like it's that turtles the, all the way down. That the cartel has a sense of humor about this, you know. Yeah, hola, hola DEA. DEA on the turtle with Tortuga's head on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like it. Uh, anyway, Jesse meets up with his crew at the museum, and he tells him to get more guys working under him because they're going global. Uh, he goes outside where Walt tells him that they're not charging enough, and they need to up the price. I thought it was interesting that Jesse begins the episode, this, again, banging home this blowfish uh, routine. He's wearing a uh-huh. giant jack-o'-lantern shirt. <laughs> a jack-o'-lantern is a pumpkin that's carved to look scary. Hollow. Yep. Hollow uh, you know, this is going to blow. To, it's it's something that looks scary and intimidating that it's not. Uh-huh. Now that that Walt has filled his head with these grandiose ideas, he's wearing a skull that's wearing a crown, which reminded me hmm. of like in The Wire that uh, when Marlo's talking to his, uh, I guess, mentor that's got the the wheel shop, and he's saying, you know, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone has worn the crown on the streets is either in the ground or in jail. And Marlo's like, well, the important part is they wore the crown, mm-hmm. which is a really odd fatalistic <laughs> thing to say. Sure. But do you think that there's a little bit of, you know, Jesse, he's the blowfish, he's the jack lantern, but now he's the king. But also there's that symbolism of death. Like this is his embracing Heisenberg's suggestion is going to be bad for him. Uh, it's possible. I, I don't want to, you know, get into any spoilers, but I think, you know, there there is certainly a 180 in Jesse's demeanor in this episode, uh, spurred on by this blowfish talk. Because <laughs> uh, in that car, he is he is pumped. He is ready right. to go, man. Right. Uh, I think he does feel like he's on top and like he's taken this weakness, this, uh, you know, crippling depression after seeing Spooge get crushed and turned it into something positive for him. Right. Kind of like we talked about with Hank. Like, you know... Same thing with the nachos, spicy nachos to tear your asshole up. And, uh, and following, where are you follow, going? Following with Walt's this? advice is going to no. Okay, Walt's advice is like spicy nachos. It's like a just. It what just, is the just benefit of the spicy rips nachos? Your asshole out. Just tastes good. Where's the benefit of the blowfish? You scare off predators. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't draw any. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I didn't expect okay. you to play that to play along that that much. <laughs> anyway, what do you think about the idea that they're not charging enough? Do Do you think that I, they have cornered the market, as Walt said? No, I think step. <laughs> I think this is uh, step one: corner the market. Step two: 
raise prices, not step one theorize that the market is able to be cornered and that we can corner it and uh-huh. step to raise I mean yeah so I think I'm with you I think that this is premature to start raising prices and saying we've got the market it's and... as poorly thought out as the whole let's just claim Albuquerque for ours yes let's put the let's put the crown on our skulls sure all right we go to Skylar she's unpacking stuff in her new office and Ted comes in to welcome her back and Skylar finds out that he and his wife are split up uh-oh. He's also got a grape juice stain on his shirt that Skylar yep. says is wine, which kind of has me thinking that there's an alcoholism thing going on here. Maybe that there is a little bit of truth through the being too drunk. Could be. But if it's just grape juice, then no. Maybe it's blood. Maybe, it's blood. Maybe he has a, a dungeon where he tortures people. Yeah, spoiler alert, Ted <laughs> Binicky is actually the other kingpin in Albuquerque. Yes. And mm-hmm. just wait. He put Tortuga's head on that turtle. It ain't welding fumes <laughs> that drove Skylar off. That's straight up, you know, yeah. f- red phosphor and water. <laughs> Shit you don't want to breathe. Sure. Uh, anyway, so that's gonna have, that They're going to have lunch like old times. Whoa. Yeah. His, him and his wife split up. That's the thing that... Yeah, what's going on in Skylar's head there? Do you what do you think is going on in Skyler's head? Uh, I think I think Ted is a handsome, successful dude. Mm-hmm. He's everything that Walt. He's literally everything that Walt is not. Uh huh. Although you know, uh, Brian Cranston, arguably a good looking guy. Brian Cranston in the pilot, mm-hmm. not a good looking guy. No, that he's that, frumpy. That he's he's frumpy as hell. Yeah. And uh, you know, arguably Skyler's little little momish in some of these episodes, but she's looking right for. For yeah. her interview and that's for... the thing. She cleans up she cleans up her act pretty well to go to the interview and to meet Ted at work. Yeah. Hmm. It's I don't like that. It's that's one of the tragedies is like if if Walt and or Skyler had put as much work into their relationship as they do in some of their other side ventures, like they would have ah. a really, really good relationship. Probably, yeah. But they don't and they don't and they don't. So That's how it goes. All right, Jesse. He's testing out his new TV, and he hears Jane come home. He is he's eagle-eared for the eagles don't have great hearing. Uh, who, what has great hearing? Bat. Ears bat, like a bat. Yeah, he's got ears like a bat when Jane comes home. Uh, he goes out back to smoke with her. Ears then, like a British monarch. <laughs> he confesses that, you know, he's not who he said he was, and I think Jane already kind of knew that. Because obviously she can you can hear through the walls. He heard her slam the door through the wall she definitely heard the conversation that walt and he had earlier why do you think that <laughs> how could he how could she not like if you can hear her close the door well but i think that's a different like i can't hear you having a conversation outside your door in an apartment but I for damn sure can tell when you go in and out because it's like you know it's slamming onto a structural component of the, of the house hmm. so i don't know that she heard everything that they said but definitely, I buy that Jesse could could hear her going outside and slamming the screen door or whatever. Okay. Uh, anyway, so he goes out there, says he's not who he said he was before. He's not Jesse Jackson, in fact. Uh, Jesse invites her in to check out his new TV, and then it doesn't get signal. But uh, Jesse's hand does when Jane goes for it at the very end of the episode. Did you think that there was a lot of obvious imagery with the uh, television saying searching? You know, searching for a connection Ooh. with with Jesse and Jane searching for this connection. Sure, that makes sense. And Jesse talking about how this new th- setup he's got, the blacks are really, really black. Mm-hmm. Like that's a uh, foreshadowing that the the of where Breaking Bad's going. 
that that might be a bridge too far. But I, I think maybe the you know searching stuff could have something to do with it. Okay. Still, again, the Jane connection came kind of out of nowhere. It yeah. feels to me like Jesse's the type of dude that she should. I mean, he's shady as fuck. Yeah, she knows that he's into something shady. He's got bike bikers, scary looking biker dudes giving him dap. He's Some got guy this, claiming to be his dad, trying to break by. into his house and having these angry conversations. He's <laughs> something's weird there. He's got lawn chairs with his flat screen television. That ain't right. That's just Jesse, man. Like that's not shady. That's just Jesse. He dresses like a... I mean, I get Aaron Paul's a very attractive man. Uh-huh. He dresses like a fucking fool. Yep. He goes outside looking like that. It's one thing if you got a, a 4XL pumpkin shirt that you wear as a, a nightgown. Whatever. That's his style. Jane has a the goth thing going on, so I don't know why you're not complaining about that. Because... I don't know. Because, yes, it is a, a goth thing, but she looks put together. She looks like she thought a moment before she walked outside and said, Yep, I look good in this. Where Jesse just... Jesse thinks he looks good in that. I guarantee it. You think so? I guarantee it. You just don't. Yeah. I know he doesn't look good. He looks like a fucking idiot. <laughs> he looks like a fucking idiot. But, but they go out of their way the to make him... That's the subjective nature of, of personal aesthetic. He knows he looks okay, great. Okay, okay. We have many thousands of people listening to this podcast. Ladies, is there anyone out there that got moist... At Aaron Paul wearing this ridiculously baggy shit. Or guys, yeah, yeah, I don't care. If anybody's like, yeah, I want to take that game down, <laughs> I would like to know. I would like to know. I think people right. can succeed despite the way they dress, oh, but sure. there's no way. I mean, like, I just, I feel like Jane, I don't know, maybe Jane's a danger whore. She's, she's looking for the bad boy. She's looking for the bad idea. I don't know, man. There are people who would look at your gaming shirt and say, that guy looks like a fool. Critically, I don't often go outside looking like this. Like when I go, when I dress, when I go to Bald Move, I wear my gaming shit and I wear my stuff. If I go outside. I don't. I don't go out. Mm. I don't wear sweatpants outside. Put on your public face. I, you know, it's like there's some things you just. I, I don't know. Maybe I just think it's personal preference, and then like I don't like it. Certainly, I don't. I would never dress like Jesse dresses, yeah. but. You know, if Jesse wants to dress like that, let him. Who yeah, cares? no, I'm aware. I've got an Octodad shirt on, and people look at me and they're like, "He's a goddamn fool." <laughs> okay, so you went to IKEA like that today, although you zipped up your hoodie. So I did. Do you notice yeah, that? I notice, see, I did see that. I blowfished it up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll blowfish up this bong real quick. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. I want to blowfish up this drink. <laughs> <laughs> While you're doing that, that's should I it. Get, should I do some pimping? Yeah, that's it for the recap. Hey, uh, it's a brand new year. Jim and I survived the harsh Georgia winter of 2014. Actually, we're we're in the middle of the harsh Cincinnati wit- winter, and it sucks. Ooh, it's in the single digits here. When I walked over to the studio yesterday, no joke, my beard and mm-hmm. hair froze stiff. I don't know why you're walking to the studio, man. I'm saying, you know, saving it's, gas money. It's sub. I'm sub- going to start my here. car. In sub-zero digits and drive 30 seconds and then shut it down, that's got to do bad things for it. I don't know. Well, look what it's doing to your beard. Look! Look what it's doing to... <laughs> it's, it's making it glorious. Yeah. Um, I, got the, I got the full north beyond the wall thing going on. Yeah, you do. Anyway, hmm. we survived the year. Can we make it through 2015? It, our fate is in your hands. We, could, we, we need your support. Uh, if you appreciate what we do, please consider some of the variety of ways you can do. You can go to patreon.com slash baldmove. 
where you can watch our podcast recorded live. You can do lunch with Jim and Aaron's with us, which, uh, you know, I, I published a public one on our uh, website and on Facebook for uh, for Christmas presents. If you want to kind of get an idea of that, you can also go to our YouTube. Somehow, uh, like. Somehow I accidentally plus people found out about that. I don't even know how. Well, that's a di- I didn't intend to give that one away. I just fucked up the publicity settings. And if you go to youtube.com slash bald move, it's it's the number one hit. I don't even understand how 2000 people saw that. I don't either. But, uh, hey, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad uh, a lot of people got to enjoy it. Yeah. You can go to subbable.com slash bald move and commission us to do a podcast. That seems to be a popular option. We got a bunch of really cool ones coming out. Yep. Uh, you can go uh, shop on Amazon using the Amazon.BaldMove.com link. Uh, bottom line is go to support.BaldMove.com. If you like what we're doing, uh, find out the best way that uh, works for you personally to support us and uh, do that because we really, really could use it and we really appreciate it. It's what allows us to do like the insane February schedule where we're going to be doing five different shows. Yeah. Uh, and and working our podcasting bones into wait our podcasting fingers to the Pod, bone. Ooh, yeah. But yeah, we appreciate everybody that's helped us and uh, encourage those that haven't to do so. Definitely. Boom. Done. Let's talk some feedback, shall we? Yep. Alex M says, "I can't believe you guys skipped over the most venomous, soul searing fuck you ever uttered on or off camera." When Walt said that to Gretchen in the restaurant, it actually made I actually made the exact same face as Gretchen as I felt the fuck ripples <laughs> emanating from the television. Fuck ripple. A total shock and awe moment. Yeah, no, he's right. Uh, it also shows the depth of Walt and Gretchen's relationship that they clearly knew each other well enough to push each other's most sensitive buttons. I felt like I was watching a tennis match between rivals who know the other player and their weaknesses intimately. You know, that's one thing that I think they need to do a better job of of mining is arguments just straight up arguments on tv i mean yeah fox has kind of got that market cornered but i think if you just had people arguing about inane things it would be fun to watch hmm now that's reality tv isn't it i but that of all sorts that's the thing about reality television is none of that shit's real yeah i want to see real arguments between real people yeah push it like how mad can this person get the other person and, and just for sport, not not to prove a point, not for anything. Just how mad can you make someone? Well, I'm going to wait three or four weeks for you to forget this. And then <laughs> on a lunch and Jim and Aaron, I'm going to do it because I've got a pretty right. good idea. Watch out, man. I think I can I'm, get you I'm to go a, zero. I'm a fish. I think, you, I think I get you to go zero to red line in about five minutes. <laughs> we'll test that. We'll test that myth. All right. Um, anyways, look forward to that. Alex, another reason to subscribe on Patreon. Mm-hmm. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Alex M continues for Gretchen. It was her family background and her need to feel like she earned her success. And for Walt, it was obviously his pride. She almost loses it as Walt accuses her of stealing his ideas, but then regains her composure enough to devastate his sense of pride and provoke the aforementioned FU expertly written, directed and acted scene. I cannot disagree. Yep. With a single one of those. He has some thoughts on uh, Negro E Azul as well. It's amazing how Walt manipulates Jesse by using Jesse's naivete and actually pumping him up by insulting him. He's basically saying, you've got nothing going for you, but it doesn't matter if I can make you believe you do. It's the classic uh, uh, Dumbo and his feather, right? Sure. Dumbo had his feather. Jesse has his Thought he could fly, although it worked for Dumbo. Like, it really fucking worked. Uh, He could actually fly. All right. With that feather. We'll see if it worked for Jesse. 
I also love that Walt, what Walt is saying parallels what he's doing by filling Jesse, who is clearly not capably being dangerous at this point, at least, with hot air to make him feel dangerous. It's puffing him up, mm-hmm. metaphorically and literally. Well, not literally. Uh, I'm also not sure what this means, but I thought I'd throw it out there. I noticed that in this season, there are three separate instances where female characters respond to male characters with the exact same phrase in a similar circumstance. And 201, Walt is staring at the TV after seeing Tuco kill Nodos, and Skyler can't get his attention. He suddenly realizes she's there and says, hey, while she responds, hey yourself. And 206, which was last episode, Walt walks out to Gretchen's car in a driveway after she stopped by the White House and responds to his knocking on her window with a hey yourself. Finally, in this episode, Jesse walks up to smoke with Jane by saying hey, and she responds with another hey yourself. Each scene involves a breach of trust. Skylar is being lied to and knows it. Not to mention she's about to be sexually assaulted by Walt. Gretchen has been unknowingly wrapped up in Walt's lie, and Jane realizes that Jesse has lied to her about his name and occupation. Although, to be fair, I feel like she knew he was being, she was being she lied did. to from the yeah, jump. For sure. Each is also followed by the three female characters forgiving or otherwise excusing the violation of trust by the male characters. Skylar pushes back but ultimately seems excused Walt's violations. Gretchen's willing to at least meet Walt halfway and ultimately partially support his lie to Skylar. And Jane excuses Jesse's lie by saying, I don't care what you do, just don't do it here. And even seems attracted by his goofy bad boy thing. Is there something thematic going on here or am I reading too much into it? I bet... If you go up to Vince Gilligan and you say, hey, five times out of ten, he will say, hey, yourself. He's just uh, leaning I think too he's hard on his using... personal dialogue. Yeah, yeah. It's a I think damn that's what it coincidence, is. but I, I'm with you, man. I can't think of a, a a valid thematic tie other than the one he lays out here, which is all well and good. But Yeah, I just – I don't – I mean, you know, he – I feel like Vince Gilligan – the we are blowfishing him up into this mastermind when in fact he is just using his natural speech patterns in his writing and that's what we're seeing sure uh i like not everything can have a meeting i don't know i don't know that's I'm not wait, true i went but i think it's true in this case <laughs> all right uh moving on to liz g said the opening sequence first time i saw this episode uh, with the Spanish singers, I thought I was on the wrong channel. I recall reading recaps the next day and learning about narco corrido bands. To read that drug ballads or forms of music made me feel like I lived under a rock. Was anyone else familiar with this type of music? I will say that even uh, uh, Vince Gilligan wasn't familiar with this form of music. Yeah, not really. That this is something that they saw one day in very early pre-production. Uh, and they're mm-hmm. like, and Vince, like, yes, we have to do one of these things. So research it and find out about it. And because we said a lot of times the season two is a very structured, where they actually sit down and try to meticulously do things. They had the time to actually pull this off, yeah, um, and and make it authentic and do all that kind of stuff. So no, I I had never heard of it. You've heard of it. It's called gangster rap. Well, but it's not this it's form. Just- yeah, it's here's just, the other it's thing. It's just a different nationality. About the Jesus uh, Malverde and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure that the Mexican restaurants around here just aren't bl- blasting narco corrido music because it sounds exactly <laughs> they, like yeah, this. They totally could be. You know, like, like uh, you and know. And they're probably laughing all the way to the bank. They're like, oh, stupid Midwesterners. They have no idea what they're listening to. Yeah, when gangster raps like die, motherfucker, die, motherfucker, <laughs> uh-huh. die, or calling 187 a motherfucking cop. You don't mistake it for happy music. 
Like if you're German or French or Swahili, you're listening to that pump, and then you're like, this is aggressive, angry, angry music. Yeah. Uh, music. Uh-huh. You know, you got the you got the Tupac's "Dear Mama" and stuff like that. Sure. But but this stuff, like it could be it could be blasting while I'm eating my chimichanga, and I'd be none the wiser. Yep. Again, there's there's a shadowy, <laughs> shadowy La Hacienda El Rodeo, mm-hmm. uh, Jose Frog conspiracy. Jose, okay, yeah, that's a uh, there's the two chains in Indiana. There was the Cons- Consuelas and Jose Frog. They're both owned I've by the same thing. Never heard of Jose Frog. Really? No. Mm-hmm. Well. You've never lived in, Jim. Uh, she continues, uh, Liz G. I continue to be surprised by how early things occur. I thought a few more episodes would pass before Hank saw the head on the tortoise, even though when Tortuga introduced himself, he referred to the tortoise and the turtle. We talked about that. Yep. Uh, Walt, the puppet master, continues to manipulate Jesse, even though Jesse didn't kill Spooge. He is only there because Walt made him handle the situation. Now Walt has talked Jesse into expanding their territory, even though Jesse knows it could lead to trouble for him. This episode is the only uh, one time I thought Jesse looked cute. Oh, shit. Oh, man. My my moistness theory didn't even survive the (laughs) feedback section of the single podcast. God damn it, Liz. Didn't you get the memo? Uh, She goes, I'm not talking about Aaron Paul. Obviously, he's cute. Jesse was so adorable as he tried to come on to Jane. His ridiculous clothes couldn't take away from how cute. Oh, see? Okay, all right. Succeeded yeah. in spite of the clothes. Redeemed. Boom, my uh-huh. theory's back. Uh, he's like, he, he's, a little, he's a little guy who wears his clothes way too big. He is. He, I agree with that, personally. She, yeah. She also said, did you know that the actor who played Tortuga is a former felon? He served time in Sam Quentin. Uh, I hear he, he killed a man just to watch him die. So I hear. Uh, I've I've seen him in tons of stuff over the years and looked him up on IMDb when he was on Sons of Anarchy. No wonder he plays huh. thugs and tough guys. It was in his wheelhouse. Somewhat shocking that pers- a person hasn't heard of Danny Trejo by now. Yeah, he's in a lot of stuff. But um, it's interesting because like Luis Moncada, which we'll meet next season, mm-hmm. I think he should hook up with Robert Rodriguez because I think he could be a legitimate action star. Yeah. I mean, if, Dan- yeah, if I sixty-year-old Danny Trejo can be pulling off this shit, all you got to do is deliver one-liners and kind of look like a badass, right? And he's good at that. He he's, does both. He's of those funny. Things. He's charming. He's also an ex-con. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, so he's got the pedigree. He's got the he's got the pedigree. Turn his life around. Got yep. into acting. Um, I I think that would be really cool. That Ro- would be Mr. Rodriguez. You you've uh, let's let's uh, have your guy call my guy. We'll do lunch. Spencer Spencer H. says, One thing I think is very interesting about this episode is that it's the first time we see Skyler do something unethical. Hmm. I have a little bone to pick with him on this point. Okay. I have several bones. This is this is a herring filet of, a, of an email. <laughs> a, a badly cleaned herring filet. Yeah. <laughs> Not a, a typical herring. A malicious chef has just left the entire <laughs> fucking skeleton in this Ooh, filet. Imagine what he could do with the blowfish. Ooh. He could kill people with that. Ooh, you wouldn't even need the bone. I mean, fuck the bones. Yeah, it's, it's poison. If a chef serves you blowfish and it's inflated, you know he wants to kill you. Uh, He says, knowing that one, uh, no one would hire a woman as pregnant as she, Mm. she goes to her old job where she knows Ted has feelings for her. She throws her cleavage in Ted's face, manipulates him into giving her the job, and knowing that she will need maternity leave in no time. 
You can tell she feels guilty about it the entire conversation, but she feels desperate for the extra income since she thought Gretchen had cut off the money for Walt's treatment. While what she did is nowhere near as bad as anything Walt has done, it's interesting to see her independently do something unethical with the same modification slash justification as Walt. Hmm. Okay, so let's let's talk about this for a minute. Number one, I think while it's true that no company would hire a a woman as pregnant as her, I feel uncomfortable with that fact. Like, you pregnant woman can't work. Like well, I, I don't I mean that's not the, that, that's that's where like my honestly my ideals of like everything being equal and equality run into the real life problem of you know pregnant women yeah. go have maternity leave and they're gone for 6 to 8 weeks and sometimes they never come back. Sure. And you know her history of working at this place isn't great. Yeah. You know, she's already quit from here one time. Right. But the 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 manipulating of Ted. That's the thing that's unethical. Do you think she's? Opinion. But do you think she's actually trying to do it? Because she wasn't as cleavagey as she could have been. No, no, no. I don't. I don't even know if there was cleavage involved. I didn't see any cleavage. No cleavage uh, evidence. Ted had no cleavage. Skyler might have had cleavage. I didn't notice. Uh, <laughs> but the idea that she is skipping the line here. She's not even going through the the due process that is afforded these no, she other knows, people. She she's definitely relying on whatever feelings that Ted has for her. Yeah. Or at least they're being acquaintance. That's the part where I don't know if it's necessarily unethical, but it's a little manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. At the least. You know, if they want to make something socially progressive, she could have just gone in Ted's office and be like, you know, I'm the, you're the best, I'm the best goddamn bookkeeper you ever fucking had. And if you get me for two weeks or two months, <laughs> it'll be worth your money. It's still going to be worth triple what you pay me. And he's like, God damn it. You're right. Skylar. You're hired. We're lucky to have you. Boom. That would have been very progressive, but probably not as uh, true to life, sadly. Yeah. Um, also, it's not the first time she's done something unethical. We saw – we int- kind of got introduced in the series her buying cheap shit and then trying to make it sound like it's antique stuff on eBay, which is, <laughs> you know, the Diet Coke sure. of evil. We saw Smoking her lying to credit card companies and banks about, oh, oh, the check is in them. Oh, I know. Oh, can you wave that? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. like, the kind of stuff that everyone does. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's not the like first time we've seen her be un- unethical. Yeah. I don't know. She's uh, – I don't, I don't know if it's super unethical to do what she does. To lie but... to a bank? I think that's patriotic. It's American. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on to the pizza. Uh, oh, this is this is on the breakfast the pizza. pizza. People need you to eat a breakfast pizza, oh, Jim. But I want to eat a breakfast pizza. I would love to eat a breakfast pizza. Unfortunately, he assumed we're still in Indianapolis. He did research. No, Cincinnati. Come he on. He did research. On the internet, it's telling me that Union Jack Go Pub. back and do more research. <laughs> no, Find out where we live. <laughs> show up at 3 o'clock in the morning with a breakfast pizza. <laughs> and make Jim eat it at gunpoint. That's what we want. Yep. Uh, so later on, we get murdered. We'll we'll have this episode as evidence. Okay, what's his my, name? What's his name? Uh, Let's get it on the record for it's sure. Spen- it's Aaron putting your life in danger, but it's Spencer making suggestions. Oh, it's still Spencer. Okay. Uh, they also say find a Hunt's Brothers pizza location, uh, which they, he says they're everywhere, and I know that I've driven past one around here. So maybe that's what we'll do. Hunt's I don't Brothers, know if it's going to huh? be the institutional style that I'm wanting. To that's see. the thing. I mean, very different styles in breakfast pizza. I'm sure. Uh, but he wishes us good luck on our quest for pizza. All right, thank you. There, I might try to. I might look up a breakfast pizza recipe, and we might do that as a lunch with Jim and Ooh, Aaron. That'd be cool. I could bring. I could actually bring my toaster oven over. We could bake it. Oh, perfect. On air, perfect. Make it. Make it and bake, bake it. We could bake it right on the table. Make it and bake they it. They could right watch here in the us bake it. 
<laughs> Rosemary from New York says, Hey, Aaron. Hey, yourself. I'm a big fan and so far listen. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm a big fan and so far listener of your podcast of Mad Men and Boardwalk Empire. I'm also new to Breaking Bad via Netflix. So I really appreciate you and Jim not doing spoilers, which is why we don't do them. Yep. Anyway, I'm just now listening to your recap of Season 1, Episode 7, where you're discussing Raymond Cruz playing mostly bad guys. I just want to let you know that he does play the good guy Julio Sanchez, a homicide detective for the LAPD and Major Crimes, which spun off. Wait, 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 wait. LAPD? That's not good guy. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> which spun off from The Closer, where he played the same character that uh, when that show debut- debuted in uh, 2005. I wouldn't couldn't believe the difference between soft-spoken Julio and crazy-ass Tuco. Huh. He also plays a good guy in the Tom Clancy movie version of Clear and Present Danger. He plays mm. uh, uh, Sergeant Domingo Chavez, that one of my favorite characters. That was a while ago, man. Yeah, and How I was young ex- was he? Pretty young, like he... in his early 20s, mid-20s. Yeah. Wow. Um, he's badass and a good guy. Hmm. So uh, Jenkins, B- Jenkins B says, I must say after watching this episode, it really felt like Breaking Bad's beginning. The whiny soap opera of Jesse and Walt's relationship has been put aside, albeit after one of their worst motivational speeches ever. <laughs> the blowfish. Alluding to the blowfish. Yep. Skylar finally gets busy with employment. I almost said busty. <laughs> Skylar gets, finally gets busy with employment, so none of that where is Walt storyline. Uh, in this episode, Breaking Bad comes out of its cozy inner world shell and shows to the audience the bigger world, the impact of the new drug on a real world market, the implications of Tuco's death, the fierceness and dangerousness of the drug cartel. Jesse's starting a relationship and Walt's expanding and starting to build his drug empire. To me, this is where Breaking Bad really began. The mm. show wasn't already great in its first 12 episodes, and this is where it knocks you off your feet. That's the only thing I have minor to nitpick on this take is that I think Breaking Bad is inarguably great in the first 12 episodes. I and do too. It keeps getting better, but in a different way, which we'll talk more about in the spoiler section. Yeah, it wasn't as exciting as it gets later on, but it but was this exciting is a much in its smaller, own more intimate, more grounded in reality story. And that's the, kind the of, beginning of it. Yeah, it, it it kind of comes to a peak right around episode twelve oh two, two oh two two twelve okay. Two, just two, two, one, two. Yeah, the twelfth season, the second episode <laughs> of the alternate future where Walter White becomes a cybernetic <laughs> lawnmower man. Lawnmower it's essentially man. lawnmower man. A cybernetic lawnmower man. Yeah, all right. That was a, the plot of True Detective too, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, it was. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, so that's all I got for feedback. If you'd like to blow fish our mailbox up. <laughs> You can do Halle Berry style. You can do that swordfish. Yeah. I got my fish confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do so at breakinggood at baldmove.com. You can also uh, go to our forums at forums.baldmove.com and uh, check out the official thread or post whatever there. If you want to get the shit spoiled out of you, you can stick around after the uh, the ad of the music, whatever you're hearing here. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do some spoilers for this episode and uh, you know the rest of the series. So... If you don't want to hear that, check out after we say goodbye. If you do want to hear it, stick around. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. Bye-bye. Yo, this is Captain Cook. Listen up. Mr. White and I have a new website. He was like, 
We could increase our website uptime way past 99.1% by joining Media Temple and some other science shit. I said, look, you may know a lot about chemistry, man, but you don't know jack about building websites. The guy is like 60 or something. But get this, he was right. No chili pee, just WordPress. The site looks dope now, and I got more cash than an ATM, yo. You should seriously up your game with Media Temple's WordPress hosting. Check out ballmove.com forward slash Media Temple and sign up. What are you waiting for, bitch? And we're back. With the spoiler section, do we have anything to talk about this week? Mm. I have a couple of things to talk about. So, mm. do you? Well, let's go with you. Yeah. I, I tend I tend to uh, steal the spotlight on this. So, this video that we start out with, at the time we were thinking this must be the key to understanding all of Breaking Bad. That's true. I maintained that nearly to the end of the last season. Yeah, and along the way, we were always trying to see where it fits in the puzzle. Uh, you know, Heisenberg does end up dead. He does not end up dead in the desert. He does not end up dead at the hands of the cartel. Uh, none of that seems not true end to up me. Dead at the end uh, by by Jesse's hand, which is where I thought they were going. Yeah, Jesse stepping over him doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. None of none of that story that the cartel has any involvement in this seems to play out really. Sure. So, what do you with that in mind? What do you think is the purpose of this video? Is it just to do something visually interesting? To do something kind of crazy? Is it to tell us you know that the cartel is going to start getting involved in this? This this video is a silver surfer to the cousins Galactus. They are the herald of things. It's the herald of things to come. I don't get the reference. The Silver Surfer shows up. It's like fuck. Galactus is next. That's or? right. Your planet's about to be eaten by a cosmic force. And I is think, the Silver Surfer going to protect it? Is that uh, his job? Does he fight Galactus, or is he the harbinger of Galactus and a warrior for Galactus? It's a complicated history. Okay, I don't care then. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I can, I can go back nope. to the Silver Age, and nope. we can talk about this if uh-uh. you really want to, but I know your feelings of comic books. Yeah. You, you like them about as much as your hobbits. I'll wait for Silver Surfer 1, I'll catch that, and then Silver Surfer 4 <laughs> through out. 8, I won't watch. Yeah, F- Fantastic 4. The, the, the the rise of the silver surfer you can but he'll get, get his story. own movie uh soon i don't know soon. fox owns all that shit fuck ant-man got a movie come on i'm saying marvel doesn't own silver surfer oh they don't no they they Is don't own the rights to no well no marvel does but oh, they don't own the rights character. to the film rights fox owns that just like sony they oh. fox owns x-men fantastic four Fucking fox. and sony owns spider-man yeah and then marvel owns the rest okay Anyway, I'm glad we sorted that out. Anyway, welcome to the Amazingly Pulp Show. Uh, <laughs> shit, what did you ask me? Yes, it's the Herald. It's it's uh, because I know Vince plotted all this out. Mm-hmm. I think he definitely had in mind how things were going, and he introduced the cousin so early in season three that that was his intention. Mm-hmm. So he had the luxury of completely architecting this and setting this up and introducing characters in a really interesting novel way and, and plot lines that were going to. You know, so I. Totally, totally think this was a great way to foreshadow, and it's the rare intentional foreshadowing. It wasn't strip mining of the past. Yeah. And it's it's classy and arty and cool and worked on every level for me. But I loved it. Yeah. I will say it wouldn't surprise me in the least to find out that Vince originally had broad strokes for the inn that matched up with this video. 
that then maybe so yeah a combination of Gus Fring blowing up yeah with Giancarlo Esposito's brilliant performance and him saying wow I gotta get more of this in here and you know making it more about Hank and Walt and involving the neo Nazis mm-hmm. you know it's it's easy to imagine a world in, where Gus was just a chicken man. And never had the long-standing feud with Don Eladio, where the cartels remained the big bads until the end of the series. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I felt even with Gus's storyline after he killed Eladio, I thought that Gus was going to be the big bad overall. And the guy that maybe took out Walt. Sure. Because he was the only guy who we'd seen who had been Walt's equal to that point. Yeah. Uh, or in the Better series, arguably Walt, ever. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, I could definitely see. And I thought, you know, they had the stuff with Juan Bolsa and how, like, all this stuff was uh, Gus versus the cartel. And he had some connection to Chile. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought they were going deeper with that stuff for the, the cartel. Pinochet regime. But yeah. then the cartel took a back seat in season five completely. Oh, yeah. It's like, just not became, even mentioned. And it's kind of sad because the neo-Nazis weren't as cool. I like Todd. Uh, Did yeah, you? The, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, not right away. I mean, I'm not. I, I still think the ending was brilliant, but the neo Nazis are just such a, uh, just such a cartoon easy villain, right? Hmm. And, Even more so than like the Mexican cartel. But the the that's that shit's real. Oh yeah, like yeah. if anything, American coverage sugarcoats that shit. Sure. Like even the bridge is as bizarre, and fucked up as it gets. Like it can't compete with shit that actually happens down there with these cartels. Yeah. So like that's honestly then you so so Vince Gilligan and I'm not this is this is not criticism because so, so I you think, don't like the movie American History X. What I'm, what I'm saying is that <laughs> to speculate that there's a faction of neo-Nazis uh-huh. that are so powerful that they can orchestrate these prison murders and like this and 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 have these the 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 wherewithal and capability of having this Ford hideout where they mass produce all this meth strain my credibility just a little bit. All right, I just, I just you know neo-Nazis are not out. I mean, I guess outside of prison uh, where everything gets really tribal, they're just not that powerful. I didn't think they were particularly powerful outside of prison. I thought they just were they intimidating capitalized to Walt. on Walt. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You might be right. And they didn't seem Again, to have any reach into the community like Gus did. I'm know? just saying that it it wasn't. They're they're not as they're you, not you as they're gritty a little and more real. cartoony. Yeah, and then maybe you yeah. can say the same about uh, Gus. That you know this guy's like you know owns his chicken stores, but he's also this, but. He also felt like when you learned his backstory, you kind of felt like, yes, this guy could actually happen. Well, that was my point. Like, the the backstory they were building Mm. seemed to have a lot more left to mine, and they never mind it. Mm. Yeah. Which was surprising to me. Not not bad, just surprising. Yeah. But there again, there's where the community made a hell of, like, like... Vince is just looking for a reason why Don Eladio wouldn't just smash this guy like a bug. Yeah. Oh well, he's got powerful friends in the you know ex Pinochet regime, and mm. he's just looking for something that he can put as a non plot hole, and then us Breaking Bad fans go wild with it, <laughs> yeah. like, oh, like oh man, oh, Gus wait. is gonna be like the president's son, yeah. and like all this shit. There's gonna be you know Chilean assassins coming in, and <laughs> you know helicopter gunships. The cousins were nothing, man. Yeah, right. Wait till you see the real shit. Right. So some of that's on us. But sure. but yeah, it's, it is a little 
interesting that we got so much of the neo-Nazi and so little of that other thing. Well, I mean, I guess we were invested in the cartel stuff for three seasons. Like, most of season two, all of season three and four were cartel because they were all Gus, right? Right. I don't know. Maybe the other thing is Vince was just running away from how popular the, you know, he was making these really incredibly popular villains. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to have neo-Nazis. Nobody is going to be like, <laughs> Team Panzer Grey, you know? Yeah. Nobody's yeah. going to be Uncle Uncle Nazi. Sure. Uh, so, anything else that you, you had? Yeah. Um, Woohoo! Jim's bringing the fire. Jane and Jesse hooking up. They held hands, Jim. I don't know if you understand hook up and, and, and how it's used in popular they culture. Hook, they hook their fingers up. There you go. <laughs> uh now being able to talk about this scene, this is kind of why I said like he oh you heard him through the wall and stuff like that. Jane, knowing what we know about Jane and her past with heroin abuse and all that stuff, that's why they hook up, right? She sees like I, I assumed that she heard this conversation and realized oh he's selling drugs through the wall, uh, and that's kind of why she started to change her mind about Jesse at this point. Yeah, if not, why do you think that she's changing her mind? I think about you're Jesse? right. There's this uh, there's this relationship guy. His name's Terrence Real, and he wrote this one line that's always stuck with me: that you date and or marry your baggage, hmm. and you are doomed. Like we people are are pattern recognition machines, right? Even yeah. on a subconscious base, it's like you know those those. Um, uh, you know, Rorschach tests work that way. It's like you see things where they're not there and you, you find patterns and you gravitate towards those. So yeah. when you have relationship patterns that you've been through in the past, even if they're fucked up and maladaptive and bad for you, you tend to subconsciously or no gravitate towards those things because they're comfortable. They're a routine. Uh-huh. And I know, I know how to behave in a relationship where I'm treated this way or where the expectations are this or that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's a very human thing that, you know, uh, conscious Jane does not want to be a heroin addict. Yeah. Subconscious Jane, the junkie, really, really wants heroin again. Does, and she, does she not consciously make that? I think conscious Jane, the subconscious Jane would say, I really want heroin. Conscious Jane says, I see Jesse as a person that's like me. He's a guy with some problems who's trying to turn his life around, yeah. trying to be responsible, and it's okay for me to get involved with him. And we, you know, we can support each other. And she can... backs into it that way. And then yeah. you know, what's interesting about Jesse and Jane's relationship is at first, I remember when they first try drugs, and you think, and because she's got this sobriety token, you think, oh, God, Jesse's so terrible for Jane. Uh-huh. By the end, you're thinking, oh, God, Jane is so terrible for Jesse. Yeah, yeah. And almost all of the sympathy you had just episodes ago melts away by what a junkie she is. Yeah, oh, totally. And that's the thing. Like, what, who, what is that other... If I'm throwing quotes around, what's that guy? Who who said that you can trust a person you can't trust a drug? Um, that's in a, some it's kind in a of movie. movie. Yeah, uh, was shit, it, it might have been in Breaking Bad. It might have been no, but, but that's my point. Is like uh, shit. It might be in like Big Lebowski or something. Yeah. But that's my after seeing so much stuff, and you know, fortunately, I've never, I've never been. No, it's Johnny Depp in. Uh, the, oh, fear the and loathing. Fear and loathing, yeah. Fear and loathing. 
So like <laughs> I've I've been blessed by not having the huge destructive drug influences in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've Hunter watched S. Thompson. People will correct me if I think it's actually Johnny Depp who came up with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know the famous Gonzo writer Johnny Depp, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, I I think that I've seen enough fiction and I've read enough memoirs where. A person on drugs in the throes of addiction is not the same person that you knew and loved before. And that was really banged home for me on the Nick, where you saw this, you know, very respectable person just being destroyed by drugs. Um, hmm. And and that's I think that's super interesting that they instead of meth, that illustrates the story through heroin. OK. Yeah, no, I, I don't know I, if I answered your question or not, but that's what I that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I wonder if it's also a little tied up in Walt coming to his door and pretending to be his father. Yeah. Um that might also have struck a chord with Jane. Certainly. When we know now what we know about her father and her relationship yeah. with her father, she's instantly skeptical of and on the side of the person on the other side of that door rather yeah. than the the father figure, you know, mm-hmm. knocking and being super self-righteous. And although you would think that maybe because it seems like she's appreciative of her father's efforts. She's glad that she's clean and sober. So it could have just as easily gone the other way where she's like, yeah, I'll open the door if he's in there on a drug bender. Hmm. That's no way to live. I've been there. I don't, that's. Yeah, maybe. They have a very complicated relationship for sure. Indeed. Indeed. Um, anything else? No, that's it. All right. I thought. That it's very intentional how the atomic imagery of the fireballs and stuff in the museum is a very uh, on-the-nose foreshadowing for the plane crash that happens later on in the season. Oh, all right. And, in fact, that's what, like, you know, you remember when Walt gets pulled over by the officer and he screams, Hellfire, rain down in my house. It's like, and you see these giant fireballs in the background of all these things where, you know, Vince Gilligan is trying his best to set up Walt's culpability in this plane crash. Yeah. With all this foreshadowing. I don't buy it. <laughs> you don't think it I don't, works. I don't like it. It doesn't work, but I, I can see him doing it, and I, I, I respect huh. him for that. It's weird to me that the most scripted and plotted and planned out season of the show is the one you buy the least. Well, that's the, here's the thing. Like, it's just not as organic to you. You don't this feel like this season is brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, there's going to be an email so here in a second arguing that it's it's except for the last. It might be the finest episode, uh, season of Breaking Bad. Ooh, I don't. When Gus gets in the mix, man, well, I, I know. really love this show. But but it's great. Like I said, in the, the main cast is great in a different way. And I kind of like yeah. after I read that, I, I started thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And uh. Watching season two again has really given me appreciation for some of the really fine work they're 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 doing here. Yeah, the stuff with Jesse and Jane is inarguably great. Yeah, uh, I mean Jane's death, all that stuff is just so on the mark. Uh, I thought it's interesting how Jesse and Hank both have this PTSD that's as okay. a direct result of Heisenberg slash Walt's actions. Mm-hmm. And Walt's the person, like, in next episode, we're going to see Hank in bed dealing with this, and and Walt goes to comfort him. This episode, we saw Jesse unable to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. Walt goes and comfort him. It's like he's the one that causes it and also the one that pulls him out of the funk. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So... We talked about the bonds and how that equals the you know the, the dissolution of Walt and Skyler's react, uh, relationship and his attraction to Binicky and, and uh, Jesse and Jane. Um, 
also, I thought it was interesting how Walt says that I'm Jesse's dad, uh-huh. which is the only one and only time he explicitly says that, and in a whole series that shows them with this very paternalistic relationship. Yeah. Um, in fact, it culminates, I think, in season five A, where Walt is on a lot of painkillers, and Walt Jr. is helping him in the bed, and he calls Walt Jr. Jesse by mistake. Oh, I think that's much sooner than five A. Is it, is it in four? I think it's in four, yeah. Um, which nothing really comes of. That was another theory I had. I know. That that was going to be significant to Walt Jr. realizing what was going on with this old man. Yeah, Walt Jr. never does. But we also see the beginnings of his jealousy in those relationships. Like, anytime Walt Jr. or Hank takes on the role of a father to Walt Jr., Walt does not like it. Walt does not like it when he's bragging about being a DA agent. Walt doesn't like it when he's... Yep. You know, telling him where he can't drink or he can drink. And we also see that anything coming in between him and his relationship with his adoptive son, Jesse, is a problem. Mm -hmm. He did not like it one bit that Jane was challenging his authority, and that just gets worse. I mean, these two hate each other more and more as the season goes on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Culminating into one of the jaw dropping moments of Breaking (laughs) Bad, uh, one of the moments where I think. Uh, a lot of reasonable people would say, well, that's where Walt truly becomes Heisenberg when he allows direct, he could save someone and chooses not to Mm -hmm. because it suits his own selfish needs. Lots of arguments can be had for that. I'm sure we'll get it during that And lots of arguments against it. You know, he didn't cause it. He was kind of doing Jesse a favor. there's There's so many shades of gray in there. Yep. Uh, one thing I appreciate about Arya on the Serial Bull is that he pointed out that there's this thematic knocking. Uh, and it starts out as kind of like a joke in in, epi- in the first episode of the season where, you know, Walt's banging on Jesse's drawer trying to get his attention. We see it happen in th- this again. And then at, towards the end where he's trying to – and he's in the throes of heroin addiction. He's trying to get – it becomes more and more tragic. It starts off as kind of a funny – you know, visual gag or like, oh, look, Jesse's being an irresponsible junkie again, but it gets like desperate and real towards the end. Mm-hmm. I thought that's a good point. Uh, that's all I got. Um, there's actually tons more if you go to serialable.com. Of course, I'll always, you know, I li- link it in every episode. Um, he had like six pages of stuff for this Jeez. one. So uh, good stuff there if you want to check that out. Jesus. Uh, I've got <laughs> Jesus Malverde, <laughs> which I think means Jesus Bad Green. Bad Green? Bad Green. Malverde. Hmm. Uh, Tom V. Tom M. said, I recently caught up on the end of Boardwalk and listened to your commentary. A throwaway comment from the penultimate episode is what I want to respond to. You compare your feel, fear of the final season of Boardwalk not being... I got to stop at one glass of whiskey, man. <laughs> when, I, when I refill between the feedback, I get a little slurry. All right. I'll, I will hide it under the table the next Thank time. Thank you. <laughs> Save me for myself, man. Don't just watch yeah. me roll over in my own vomit over here. <laughs> I'm your friend, for God's sake. Um, you compare your fear of the final episode of Boardwalk being not up to snuff with the rest of the series in a similar way to The Wire Season 5 and Breaking Bad Season 2 in which they can invite criticism and comparisons to other shows and attempt to dethrone it. While I can't defend The Wire Season 5 as as anything but a letdown, albeit still better than most of television, after spectacular seasons three and four, Breaking Bad season two is actually my favorite season of the show. It's so well plotted, perhaps the second best plotted episode season after epi- uh, se- Jesus, perhaps the second best plotted season after season four. But also, it's a simpler time for the show. 
There is not a supervillain in Gus, a meth kingpin who operates out of a chicken fast food restaurant and has personal vendettas with Mexican cartel Top Brass, provides a super lab hidden underneath a laundromat for Walt and Jesse to produce cartel quantities of meth. There's no stoic... uh, Wait, where I got lost here. There's no stoic... What the hell? There's no stoic twin cartel assassin stalking Walt. There's no plot convenient madrigal to allow Walt to expand distribution worldwide. Don't get me wrong, I love all these elements of the show, but my favorite era of the show was when it was about simple, low-level meth production and distribution, all the problems that might arise in this, and the effect that meth dealing has on the lives of people who are outside of Walt and Jesse's personal sphere. The plane crash and black and white openers tend uh, tied to hidden puzzle episode titles are, to me, absolute brilliance on par with something like the extraordinary event that happens at the climax of Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia. On top of that, mm. season two... Might be the funniest season of the show. Funny in the black comedy way that Breaking Bad approaches humor. The only criticism I can levy against it is the uh, the one that is completely out of Vidligan's hands. If not for the writer's strike, season one could have been significantly improved by wrapping up the Tuco-Hector plot at the end of that season, allowing season two a little more breathing room to explore the low-level meth production era of the show before transitioning to the Gus era uh, in seasons three and four. But I feel the writers did the best with what they had and delivered my personal favorite season of the show. Um, I find it, and, and again, I'm loving the season full no, well knowing what's coming at the end. And I kind of agree that there's something special about how kind of intimate this season was. How it was all about Walt and Jesse figuring things out and relying on each other. Um there's something kind of unpleasant about seasons five and six or season five, a season five B where they're kind of at each other's throats and not trusting each other. Oh yeah. I mean, this is definitely a, a case of what do you prefer? Do you prefer Jesse and Walt? Is, is that kind of the kind of show you want to see Jesse and Walt figuring shit out, working together or is the kind of show you want to see what it becomes later? It's kind of like, I don't think there's any right or wrong answer there. Like, it's just personal preference, you know? It's like Rambo 1 or Rambo 2. Rambo 1 was this kind of, like, surprisingly <laughs> yes. thoughtful look at, like, what it's like to be, uh, like, at, 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 at government corruption and what mm-hmm. it's like to be uh, a Vietnam vet, um, a, a, a soldier without a war to fight. And Rambo yes. 2 was just fucking nuts. Yeah, I think they're equally awesome in different ways. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I don't know that a se- uh, an entire series of five seasons with Jesse and Walt being, you know, buddy, buddy is going to work. Um, yeah, you're right. You kind of need both elements. And I think, you know, some people will prefer the season twos of Breaking Bad. Some people will prefer the season fours or season fives. I personally like, I think season four might be my favorite season. The stuff that he, the the battle between Gus and Walt is just epic in my opinion. Uh, season five is great. Don't get me wrong. Season two is great. Like, I, I struggle to find a season yeah, I don't that's, like. That's, season I, three is where it's like kind of meh. I think I accidentally lucked into a nice comparison there because Stallone does that a lot. Like Rocky one. Oh yeah, is a good film. It, Rocky four is a fucking awesome film. Rocky Balboa is actually an incredible film. I yeah. I like Rocky Balboa more then, than and any then, other. And then of we the won't Rockies. talk about Rocky five. 
But like the same thing <laughs> right. with 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 the Rambo stuff. Like First Blood is a really oh, yeah. surprisingly good film. Like I remember mm-hmm. I watching it and I got on uh, Facebook and I just started talking to people. Like I really was not prepared for how good this show was. Like this movie was really thoughtful and interesting and not just a meathead stupid role. But yet, you know, Rambo two and three have their charms as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you? Which is better, Rocky, Rocky or Rocky four? Uh, which is more entertaining? Yeah, I, I don't it's just, know. It's just what, what do you personally like more? And yeah. so I, I'm not going to say that he's wrong. Yeah, I'm not going to say that I'm right. But I, I see where he's coming from. And I, I'm, season two, I freely it admit is very well plotted. That I'm completely irrational about the ending of season two. It really is hard for me to swallow. And <laughs> it ha- unfortunately happened at the end of the se- season where uh-huh. I had a whole year to think about it and stew mm. about it. Like, you know, kind of like the Fishnado in Fargo. If that had been the season climax, I would have felt... I never. I don't think I would have gotten over that either. I'd still be talking about it. But Even though it happened, that's a real thing that does happen, you were you were still... Up in arms about that. You're man. right. A fish NATO is actually more likely yes. than uh-huh. two airliners crashing over the hero's backyard. <laughs> Much more likely. Orders of magnitude more likely. Definitely. But if it had been in the middle of the, se- the end of the season and it didn't have like six episodes to make up for kind of like that bullshit, uh, I would have felt differently about that season too. So. Um, I I've really enjoyed my rewatch of season two, and I know the best is yet to come. Like yeah. this Jane and Jesse stuff yeah. is fucking awesome. It's incredible, and and introduction to Saul and combo getting blown oh, away. Yeah, man, I forgot we're getting Saul next episode. We're getting Saul, and the combo gets killed. That's yeah, that's amazing. That happens okay. in season two, right? Happens next episode, man. Combo doesn't get killed. No, Badger gets arrested, which Badger is why we arrested. bring in that's Saul. Right. Okay. All right. But no, combo and you yeah, know gets killed by a little him. kid. Like there's yeah. some really heavy hitting shit. Jane dying. Like there's a lot of really cool stuff to come and then just it just keeps building and building and building and then the car the plane crash. So Yeah, for me the the climax of the season is Jane dying. I, I think it it slides a little bit yeah, toward the end. I agree. Uh, I agree. I don't I don't think it slides, you know, off the fucking cliff, but I no. think it you know, there's a crescendo in the mid-season with Jane dying, and then it kind of tapers off. No, that's one of those things where you, when you first watch the first time, you like just have your hand covering your mouth because it's just yeah. like, wow. I can't believe Walt is going to let this happen. Yeah. I can't believe what I'm seeing. Because you're so used to like the hero seeing that and then starting to leave and then coming back. But the, for him just watch the whole thing happen, it's really, really brutal. And I also think that they they set that up a little bit here, right? Like when you were sure. talking about Walt's like they reaction the, to yeah. what Jesse did, what he thought Jesse did, which is kill Spooge. Uh, he, like I said, was kind of scared by that. Yeah. Uh, and so when he, when he goes and does roughly the same thing that Jesse did here, which is watch somebody get killed. Yeah. Uh, it's it hits home extra hard. Indeed, thanks, Tom, for ha- having me uh, really think about it. Because I think you said what you said about season two and the intimacy and how it was small scale and that yeah. was more entertaining than some of the big cartoony stuff that happens later. I think you're right on. Um, and uh, uh, I can definitely see if you can look past. Honestly, if it wasn't for the plane crash, I might be right there with you, thinking like, man, season two versus it'd be a much harder thing in my mind. Season two, season four. <laughs> 
Because uh-huh. I think four is probably my personal yeah. favorite. Four, four is my favorite. Uh, it's hard to not say five isn't because it ended so well. But I four, know. that that thing with Gus, man, was I ridiculous. Mean, it's, it's tough to not just say five because of Ozymandias alone. Like, get, holy shit, what an episode. Neo-Nazis and Lydia do not equal Gus Fring. I agree. Gus I Fring agree. is one of the all... He's Darth Lydia fucking Vader. Lydia in no way was an equal to Walt. No. I, Gus Fring... She was a was, rabbit in pumps. ...was an equal, if not a superior, and I love the fight between them, the struggle. Right. And you had Jonathan Banks as his... Infor- I mean, it's just so good. So yeah. good. Season four. Mm. Uh, all right, man. I feel like we did this episode justice. I think so. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 208. Yeah, we will. Better Call Saul. (laughs) A lot of Better Call Saul this season. A lot of Better Call Saul. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.